and welcome back to Two Pills in a Pod. My name is Candice. My name is Jessica. And we're back to brighten up your day with a fresh new episode. This time we have our friend Ian Lee with us who is going to share his journey since he came to the UK from Malaysia and just where he is today. Hi Ian. Hello. Hi guys. I'm Ian. Um, I'm that Malaysian friend who doesn't work in healthcare <laughs> living in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> You laugh, but it's so true. Like, remember Jess, yeah. the last time we were in London? Yeah, yeah. Like, apart from yeah. Henry, right? Everyone was like yeah. a pharmacist, a doctor, or like a dentist. Dentist, yeah. yeah. It's like fulfilling every Asian parent's dream, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. It's like, well, okay, anyway. nothing wrong with that, but I'm probably like one of the few like Malaysian mechanical engineers working in the UK. Or maybe I don't have that many friends. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for coming on Two Pills in a Pot to share experience with us. So just for our listeners who don't know you, do you want to just break the ice and introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm a mechanical engineer working for a company called Airbus. If you've not heard of it, we definitely don't make the planes that fall out the sky. <laughs> um, Scandalous! Yeah, um, yeah I've, been, I've been in the UK for what, almost... Almost eight years. Uh, wow, it's gone by quick. Uh, I've been in here since 2013. Did my degree, like foundation degree and, and, and all that. So yeah, I'm now an a automation engineer uh, working for Airbus. So tell us a little bit more about mechanical engineering and why you chose that particular one. Um, I think, you know, with, with engineering, there's, there's loads, there's different types of engineering and it's probably too long to mention them all, but I guess you can say the main ones and probably the ones you guys have heard, uh, it's either mechanical, electrical, civil, and like there's like others uh, which are more specific like nuclear engineering or biomedical engineering, for example. For example, I, I class these specific ones like structural engineering. Uh, I class it as like a sub-branch of civil engineering. So all, all the main ones like mechanical, electrical, civil, chemical, you know, they've they like the main headings if you like. So there's so many other ones um, under within them. So yeah, that's engineering in a nutshell. I would say like my lecturer, you know, he described mechanical engineering as like the mother of all engineering. You know, like I said earlier, no. it's like it's like the you know the OG of all engineering, right? So you want to be the OG? Yeah, basically, <laughs> or maybe I am. Um, <laughs> you we, wish. <laughs> So we, we basically learn uh, a bit about everything, really. Like in mechanical engineering, you learn about like design, structural, chemical, electrical. Like I, I was in like lectures with like, like electrical engineers, like civil engineers. So I think for mechanical, it's quite a broad uh, subject. It's like you have to build machines, you get a mechanical, mechanical engineer. Design a watch, mechanical. Build a house, mechanical. You need a hip replacement, mechanical or so. so. Really? Yeah. So basically, we deal with anything that moves. So, you know, the guy that designed the hip, hip replacement, the, the ball and socket joint, yeah, he was, a, he was from a mechanical engineer by trade. So you're basically trying to say that we can't live without mechanical engineer. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's crazy, isn't it? That like is, like yeah. even like the pill, you know, like, uh, like, the, what, like the soluble pill and all that, it was designed mm -hmm. by like a product engineer. But yeah, I, I guess I, I chose it because, uh, you know, when I did my pre-U, you know, I, I narrowed down, I guess, based on my 
passion and, and my interest. It was either down to automotive, mechanical, or aerospace. And again, like I said earlier, because mechanical is so broad, I, I decided to choose mechanical because, you know, I, I don't feel left out. <laughs> like, I don't to learn, I don't to go to like electrical engineer and like FOMO about like, well, about structural engineering. I don't know about that. So I guess mechanical was like a good compromise of, of all of them. Does it give you more job opportunities then? Like, does it give you like broader options? Uh, yes, definitely. I would say definitely. You know, like in mechanical engineering or like engineering in a nutshell, you know, you can basically almost go anywhere uh, because being an engineer isn't just, you know, about knowing your specific subject. Like for mechanicals, like, you might say building a robot, for example. It's it's not just it's not just that. It's also the mindset of how we solve problems. Like you know, in uni we were taught like in order to solve a complex problem, um, there's always a way to like break it down into like smaller chunks, and we tackle them one by one, or we tackle the easiest one first and then work our way up. We also we were also trained to look out for patterns, analyzing trends, you know that sort of thing. So. With that in mind, you know, as a mechanical engineer, or like I said, any engineers, you can work in, of course, you can work in industry that you're trained to do, like mechanical, you can work in like manufacturing, aerospace, da, da, da. but you can also work in other fields and you branch out like finance, uh, IT, logistics, uh, consultancy, uh, procurement, and even law, like especially like patent law and intellectual property. Um, because you you need to know like the technical aspects of you know the pattern that you're filing for this company, for example. But yeah, I've mm-hmm. I've got quite a lot of friends who who did mechanical engineering as their degree, but has now moved into like the finance sector. So yeah. Oh wow. I guess it's a luxury that you have being in mechanical engineering because you said that it's so broad, so it gives you a lot of options. Also, I suppose to like pharmacy you can just be a pharmacist <laughs> whereas like yeah a mechanical engineering you can literally go to whatever field that mm. like you excite to basically yeah so go engineers <laughs> so have you always wanted to be an engineer what led you to that decision i guess like thinking back now like i think i've i've always been into engineering since i was a kid you know back then i always like to like tinker or you know mess around with stuff like, do you remember, like, the old, like, Windows 95, like, dinosaur PCs, mm. the big PCs, right? Yeah. So I remember, like, my dad bought, like, our first PC. And, you know, I was I was playing with it and, and stuff like that. And, you know, one day, my stupid ass go and disassemble it, take a screwdriver, disassemble it, and, like, try to see, oh, what is this? What is this component, right? And then I, could, I couldn't figure out how to put it back. It's like, <laughs> this was, like, when I was in, like, primary school, so at a young age. And you know it's quite expensive back in the day. I, I don't know yeah. it might be worth like a few thousand pounds in today's money. But I guess you can say I was I was punished by my parents quite a lot back then. <laughs> but through those like trial and error, when I when I assembled um, these components back, you know I I saw okay what a RAM was, what a motherboard was. You know what, I didn't know what all these components looked like because we just see them. You know you just told what they are, but you never see you know what how they look like. So. After I guess after a few tries, you know, I understood. Oh, this is what this goes there. This goes there. This goes there. So through trial and error, I learned what to do and what not to do. And I guess you can say it's from there, it expanded to like other electrical items at home. 
So sorry, mom and dad, if you find like a broken light switch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's literally like a very expensive lesson for you then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's quite worrying though, like how many times I got electrocuted. Like, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Maybe that's why, like, my hair is so like rough and it's not quite curly. <laughs> yeah, and I just I just thought about it. Like, you know, the other thing about gro- growing up having like Asian parents, like they're, they're quite strict on like TV, and you know, back then they they view the TV as like the devil. So mm-hmm. my parents sort of limited like. Watching, letting us, me and my brothers watch cartoons. So you know, like, what's that company in Malaysia? Like Astro, right? So I was like yeah. flipping through Astro, and and one day, like, I discovered the uh, Discovery Channel, and out of nowhere, like, I was just flicking through it, and I saw this show called what's it called, uh, MythBusters, and um, mm. and I just fell in love. So I would come back from school and like turn on the Discovery Channel, and like, watch MythBusters, right? But then there there was there was I think there was a there was one day that. The usual time was on. It wasn't on, but instead it was a show called How It's Made, and then the, mm. it was like a show of like showing how it's made, like how they make like pens and and pencils, how they make like guitar and and all that sort of stuff. So, I think from there, it, it growing up, you know how like you, when you're younger, your brain sort of see around what's there around you and you learn and and stuff. So I think when yeah. I was a younger age, I started to think. Like how things work, so like an engineer, like how how this comes together, fits together, and I guess you can say it helped me in like physics in in school, but <laughs> I guess it's a shame it didn't like teach me how to be excel in like other subjects like I don't know history, chemistry or bio, <laughs> or moral. <laughs> Were you like a good student then in school? Um, definitely not. I was definitely not academic. That's for sure. So no. how did you ended up in? Queens in mechanical engineering. There's a funny story to this. Like I always tell people, like why, why, why do you choose Belfast? So, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure, like your listeners might be aware of. If you're Malaysian, you you know in Malaysia, you know we don't really know that many like overseas university. You, like we know the the famous one like Cambridge, Oxford, and all these university, mm-hmm. but like Queens, I've never heard of Queens Belfast before. So we rely mm-hmm. on what we call like agents, education agents. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So. There was one time when I went to this uh, education fair, and um, and at this time, if you remember, my my brother was studying in Norwich in in UEA, University of East Anglia mm-hmm. in Norwich. So I went up to this education agent, and and I'm I'm I I knew I I wanted to study engineering, I wanted to go to UK, and so I I went up to her. It's like okay, uh, I can't remember who it's called, but it's like hello, um. Can you tell me which uni provides uh, engineering? Is in the UK and as far away from Norwich as possible. <laughs> because because what my brother doesn't know, my parents doesn't know. <laughs> so it was so so the lady sort of laughed and then she told me basically there's this uni in Glasgow, Glasgow Caledonian and Queens. Queens because I think she just came back from Queens at the time.、Uh, I think there's another student who went to Queens as well, and so she came. She just came back from Queens, and you know, so she had fresh in the mind how it looked like, and you know what 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 was good, what was not really good about the uni, and you know she explained all that to me, and I thought you know that's quite interesting. I'll go there. She obviously she mentioned about Belfast, but she never mentioned about 
Northern Ireland, Ireland, uh-huh. the history so of Ireland. So you didn't know that it's no in idea. Northern... <laughs> all, I, all I knew was it was in the UK. I, and far, far away from your brother. <laughs> I didn't know it was like, you know, there was, there was different... I didn't know there was England, Wales, Scotland, you know, Northern Ireland. <laughs> and there's a sea in between. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, basically, I, I got into... I, got, I flew it down into Heathrow, right? And then my brother picked me up. Mm. Took the bus all the way up to Ken Ryan in Scotland. Oh <gasps> really? Yeah. And then like That's so far. Yeah. And as we what? were as we were going into the ferry to, to Belfast, I asked my brother, it's like, where are we going? <laughs> it's like to Belfast. <laughs> it was only then it dawned to me. It's another it was another <laughs> freaking island. <laughs> oh my god, you didn't know? No, I didn't. How come you didn't fly from Heathrow to Belfast? Why did you take no, the ferry? He must be so chill. He let his brother to plan everything. <laughs> <laughs> and he just followed. Literally, yeah. Um, oh my god. <laughs> I think so. I think we arrived early, that's why. I think we arrive, arrive like a few days before we can check into accommodation. So my brother oh was my like, goodness. we'll just take our time. You know, we've got time to, you know, head chill around London. You know, make our, make our way up slowly to Belfast. So that explains like I don't know eight eight nine hours bus journey, man. <laughs> crazy. That's oh crazy. But did you end up enjoying your time in Belfast? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen like the archive footage of of Belfast in in the city hall, and you know it's definitely a a different a different city back then. But I, I think <laughs> I still remember the the kicker of the of of when I was Belfast. I remember was like about a month in since I went to Intu. Uh, which I'll talk about a bit later, but like a month in since I went, since I start started my course in Into, my my mom rang me up right on WhatsApp. She was like, "Oh, Ian, you know how's it going?" Da, da, da. And then you know, being my mom being Asian, like she she forgets where her sons goes to uni, what she, what we do, <laughs> <laughs> and so she asked me, "So Ian, wh- what do you study again? Mechanical engineering? Okay, uh, and where where are you studying? Belfast? I said Belfast." Is that where they had the troubles and all that? I was like, what? The bombings and all What? No, no one told me this. Like, literally. <laughs> you didn't know? No, no idea. Only about a month in, oh only then goodness. I did my research. Oh. Then only then I You're realized. such an adventurous person. Yeah. I told you what, the, the three, my three criteria, engineering, UK, far away from my brother. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing like you know, no, no, ranking and all that. No, no such thing. It was only those three, literally. <laughs> did you do like a placement? Because I know, I know that some of my friends who did engineering, they did like a sandwich here mm-hmm. in engineering. Yeah. So did you do that as well, or? Yeah. So like, my degree was like a, it was a three-year course. So after I finished into, which was like a pre. It was like a foundation. It's like a pre U, basically. So I did like my international foundation year there, and then after that, um, I got like a direct entry into Queens. So I didn't have to worry about like my grades and all that because my mm-hmm. grades were good enough, and you get like a direct path into Queens. Mm-hmm. So then after that, I went into my first year, and after first year, I think that the the course director came up to us and said, "If you do well in your first year, you'll get offered to to upgrade yourself from a BN to MN." You know, from a bachelor's mm. to like a what they call Master. a integrated masters, yeah. And and if you want, you can apply for the placement or the sandwich year they call it. So after my f- after the first time first year, you know, I I did reasonably well, and I thought, yeah, 
let's go for it. So I applied for the MNG with placement or a sandwich year. And after my second year, I, I applied for a few companies, loads of companies, in fact, and I didn't get any. Um, I think the highlight for me out of all the companies was definitely Rolls-Royce. So I got into the assessment center with Rolls-Royce and mm. they, they rejected me because they said I didn't have the technical knowledge of, of, of for the internship. But then I was there thinking, surely the reason why I'm applying is to get technical knowledge. So technical knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. it was a bit of a contentious issue back then, but it's fine. I'm over it now. Um, <laughs> then I decided, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll go on to my third year because between your third and fourth year, um, you can try again. So on, on the MNG is a four year course, a BNG is three years, MNG is four years, you see. So I tried to get in my third year and luckily there was a, there was a guy who studied in Queens and he did an internship with, with Airbus and he sort of like sent an email back into, in, back to uni, like School of Mechanical of Engineering and said, hey guys, there's an opportunity with Airbus. Um, let me know if you guys are interested. So I applied for it and yeah, thank, thank God I, I, I got in. Um, with Airbus uh, in, in North Wales and mm -hmm. that's where I work today as well. Did you do it like in between of uni or after uni, after you graduate? Um, with an internship, you do it in between like your penultimate oh, year. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. you, usually people do it like between their penultimate year because then you'll have at least three years of academic years or academic studies, yeah, which makes sense. So that's why I didn't blame the guy from Rolls-Royce too much because after I did my third year, I understood, okay, maybe they were looking for someone, you know, who finished their third year, then did the placement. Mm -hmm. When you, obviously, after you finished your placement, you went back for your final year, right? Yeah. So how did you force your way back into Airbus? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> By begging. <laughs> no. Um, Take me back. <laughs> help, I'm jobless, jobless Malaysian. Uh, no, so... Basically, during during the, inter the internship, uh, I was quite lucky because I, I knew what they call the early careers. So early careers are people who manage um, interns, graduates, apprentices and all that. So there's a what they call early careers team within Airbus. And you know, I got to know a few of them. And you know, one of them, you know, mentioned to me, hey, Ian, you know, if, if you do well in uni, you know, why don't you apply back um, for the graduate scheme? And explain the scheme to me how it works. It's a two-year program, da da da. And so when my time was up doing my internship, I went back to uni, and then the applications for the graduate scheme opened for Airbus, and I just applied. And in my application, obviously, I had to brag that oh, I did my internship with Airbus. You know, this is the projects. These are the projects I've done during my internship, da da da. So maybe that played a part. And obviously, I got called back for for the interview assessment center. And then that was it. I got the call from the manager to say, "Congrats, Ian. You know, we 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 would like to, you know, bring you back as a as a graduate." So, yay! <laughs> wow. The reason I'm asking is because I know a few of my friends who studied engineering, and it was quite hard for them to get a job in the UK. Mainly, it's got to do with their immigration status. So a lot of companies actually don't offer jobs for yeah. yeah yeah certificate or sponsorship for like students international students so you were obviously like one of the very lucky ones who got the visa so how did uh, was that not an issue with airbus or i, I would say because airbus obviously is a is a multinational company it's, it's such a huge company and and they're so used to having like 
people from overseas and work around, move around within the company. So they've got like a dedicated like immigration team. So they deal with like visa, you know, permits and, and, and all that sort of thing. So in in a way, I was, I was lucky because I joined a company who who you know deal with all these things on on a regular basis so they knew they knew their stuff and i think they even subcontract some of the work to like external company so like i think in terms of like the legal bit um you know they've got this external company who double triple checks my applications and 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 all that so in that sense i'm i didn't have to worry too much about it any of the day i just paid the fee or whatever that, that was all i had to do i literally just fill in application form and then paid the fee. That was all I had to do. And then obviously went to do my biometric permit and, and stuff like that. Um, I guess I guess for your friend who unfortunately didn't, you know, who suffered or, or struggled with the visa, I think smaller companies in the UK probably, they struggle a bit because they, they probably don't see like the benefit of applying for like the tier two sponsorship. Because how, how it works is like companies, they have to be uh, certified by the government to say, okay, I can sponsor a, a tier two visa, so an immigrant for to for a tier two visa. So it's quite a lengthy process, and I guess some companies just don't want to bother, you know, with with the hassle and and all that. So whereas, like with Airbus, mm -hmm. obviously we've got loads of people coming in and out, so it's quite normal for them. Yeah. But is there like a quota? How many people like immigrants that we recruit each year? I mean, surely you have to be good enough for them to recruit you and go through the hassle. To be honest, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think you're the only Malaysian that I know that works in Airbus. So, I mean... Yeah, but I've, I've not met... Well, now that I've joined the company, I, I do know there's there's a few Malaysians there, but they, they're they a bit older and they probably transferred from you know overseas and, mm. and not go through the grad scheme or early career scheme. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely... I can't say I know many like engineers, uh, Malaysian engineers in the UK. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, like or maybe my friend circle is just too small. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you must have done well in your grad scheme. That's why they took you in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Trying to be humble, yeah. Yeah, just just, just take the compliment. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, would you say that you enjoy what you're doing now? uh yes definitely um as a in terms of what i'm doing now like i'm an automation engineer like i said earlier like engineering is so broad right and my my main um team if you like my the main team is like manufacturing engineering and within manufacturing engineering there's so many different branches so you've got autom um automation you've got line sites so or people who like support the the manufacturing lines you've got um, strategy you've got you know R&D you've got all the different types of manufacturing and engineering so I'm in the automation team so we take care and handle a lot of the robots automated assets um, you know across the factory and yeah it I quite like my job because it's very challenging um, for example we're, we're installing a new machine at the moment so like my day if you, if you say like my day-to-day -day job what it entails is basically just like a troubleshooter for the operator. So the mm. operator is working on a new machine. They're experiencing as well. You know, they're getting to grips with it. And and because I was involved in like liaising with like the contractor and, and the engineering team with Airbus, so I, I do know a bit about the machine. So 
like the operators are doing the job and if they get stuck somewhere or not clear about something you know they come to me and ask me first so i'm like the first port of call and you know i would have the information ready and i'll you know explain how do you do this this job da, da, da. what do you need but if i can't answer it then i go to my automation team and ask them you know do you guys know you know how this works how this da, da, da. and if if we can't solve or we can't resolve the issue then we go directly to the supplier then because the suppliers at the moment are still on site so i liaise with it with the suppliers on site directly and say you know hey you know we can't figure this out can you explain to us how it works and then obviously they're the expert of the machine because you know they install it so basically that's me in a nutshell i'm like a troubleshooter mm. So you're the person that tells other people to turn off the machine and turn it back on again. <laughs> 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 They pay you to do that. <laughs> Take a switch on, off, on, off. <laughs> I think I can do that job. <laughs> so we've come to the end of part one of the interview with Ian. If you want to hear more about his experience working in Airbus and just more about planes in general, make sure you tune in next week for part 2. As always, thank you so much for listening to us and supporting us. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode or if there is someone in your life who's interested in engineering as a career and is considering it, please, please, please share it with them. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and some other major podcasting platform. We also have an Instagram and Facebook page at Two Pills in a Pod. Please follow us there. If you'd like to support us by donating, you can also go to www.twopillsinapod.com forward slash donate. See you next week for part two. Bye!